David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Let's just get right to our first guest. Not only was she a phenomenal athlete, she is a lovely lady. The all-time winningest golfer in the LPGA Tour, Kathy Whitworth. How are you doing, Miss Whitworth? Well, I'm doing just fine. Thank you. So you're not golfing today down there in Texas? Well, I, in fact, I did golf this morning. Uh, I got out there about 7.30, so uh, uh, it wasn't too hot. Okay. Now in Chicago, it's supposed to be triple digits today. Yeah, yeah, I know. We're sending it right up your way. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's, that's okay. You know, I've been in uh, Texas. I know what it's like in the summertime. Is uh, it ever too hot to golf? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I have, I have over my career, of course, played in some pretty hot uh, times all over the country. But uh, you know, you just prepare for it. You just know it's going to be that way, and do what you can to help yourself and. Uh, and you just don't think about it. You know, I just never thought about it. But it is, but it has been pretty warm. But I don't know if it gets too hot for golf. Can't say that. So what did you shoot today? Oh, well, it was around 80. I, I, uh, if I break 80, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, but not, didn't putt too well today. So you should be back on tour. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, those girls are way too good, but it's, uh, Fun to watch them. How did you get involved in uh, golf? Well, it was sort of uh, by accident. I, I grew up in a small town and um, in New Mexico, and they had a little nine-hole golf course there. But uh, my parents didn't play, and, and uh, I some kids I played tennis with, their family belonged to the the country club there, and they asked, they said, "Let's go play golf one year after one uh, after school was out." I don't remember thinking it was too hot an idea, but uh, I couldn't play tennis by myself. And my granddad played, uh, but he was—he had passed away before I started. He was uh, about two or three years before I started to play. But for whatever reason, my grandmother kept his clubs. And so when they invited me to play, uh, go play golf, I borrowed his, his clubs and um, old balls and <laughs> It was a sight to see, but I loved it from the very instant, and I really don't. I know I did because I loved to play tennis, but I don't remember playing tennis anymore. I just got hooked and um, and made up for for lost time. Were you good from the beginning? Oh, no, no. I was terrible. And uh, uh, I played oh, almost a year before I ever even played with anybody. I was just so embarrassed to play with anyone, but... Um, but I was a good athlete. I have to say I had a lot of natural ability with sports, and so maybe I, I, I started playing a little better than maybe some, but I didn't have anything. To, I didn't have any way to gauge uh, if I was good or bad or, or medium or whatever because there really weren't any you know, young players, men or women, or boys and girls. There just wasn't any like that uh, when I grew up. So I couldn't compare myself to anybody, and so I'm a... But I got uh, yeah. But I had help, you know. And, and unfortunately for me, 
this uh, gentleman, Hardy Loudermilk, uh, came to jail as a head pro, and he knew Harvey Pinnock. And so when he watched me hit some and played some, why he called Harvey and uh, uh, asked if it would be all right if he sent this young kid to see him, and he said, okay. And so Mom and I drove to Austin, and so uh, how lucky was that? Did you see his little red book or little green book? Well, I didn't. No, I, I didn't at the time. But as as you know, as we years went by and everything, and I told Harvey, I said, Harvey, because he never really wanted to write anything. Uh, he just was afraid people might misunderstand what he had to say, and so he was just really, really reluctant to do that. But anyway, I thought we'd all tell him, you know, Harvey, you need, you can't leave us without writing us down. You know, all his wonderful things that he told us, and so he said, Oh, I've got a little journal that I keep, and he said, uh, uh, Tinsley, his son, has access to it. I said, okay. Well, then as he, you know, began, and he decided to write the book, uh, Bud Shrake, who was a author there in Austin, a wonderful guy, a big golfer, and loved Harvey, and so, uh, but as it turned out, and I did get to see it later, but it was a, a little red uh, vinyl kind of uh, uh, loose-leaf journal, uh and it was red, and so consequently that was the name of the book, the little red book, and how lucky we are that we have it. If it only made us all better golfers, right? <laughs> I know it, but he was, he, uh, these were just little things that he found helped most people, and um, uh, and it, it, the genius of this man was in, unbelievable, and of course, at the time, I, when I first went to him, I didn't know, you know, I, I certainly loved him, and, and he was good for me, and certainly made me a better player, And um, but I I don't think anybody, I mean, most of the time we had to de- try to explain who Harvey was, because uh, he never sought any kind of notoriety or, or fame or fortune or whatever, um, and his, and which was not to say it's not important, but he just wasn't interested in that, and so he, nobody ever heard of him. So and we'd you know like Tom uh, Kite and Ben Crenshaw and Betsy Rawls and myself and others that when we played well we'd go and talk to the press and they always wanted to know well who who taught you to play and, and try to explain who Harvey was and it was just very hard. Different than nowadays with the Golf Channel where you have the former teacher Tiger Woods teaching Barkley how to golf or oh, I Ray Romano. That was just not something Harvey was interested in and wanted to do. And if he could help you, he was thrilled. And um, uh, and he always loved to hear from you if you were doing well. And and uh, uh, and certainly was my only teacher. But that was just uh, uh, not his, you know, uh, desire or whatever. It just wasn't uh, that wasn't it. He he wasn't looking for a lot of credit or. Or, like I said, any kind of uh, accolades. Uh, although we were all happy to give it to him, but he was just so uh, he was just so humble, and and just was so pleased though when he could help uh, somebody become a better player. Um, that was just his, uh, and it didn't matter what kind of player you were. Uh, you didn't have to be a, a great player to get a lesson with Harvey. If but but you had to agree. Most of the time, at least it was with me, and I can see that with other players. Because uh, he said, you know, if I I can help you, but uh, he says I believe I can help you, but he said I, you're going to have to do what I tell you. And uh, uh, he said otherwise, it's a waste of your time and my time. And 
you know, it won't work. And that's absolutely right. So when you think about it, any teacher, you know, really wants to help the student, and but they have to be willing to do what they want you to do. And, and fortunately, I was, I don't know if I was smart enough or dumb enough to say, you bet, you know, <laughs> I do whatever you want me to do. And because I was sent there to learn from you. And, uh, and boy, how lucky was that? And I just can't, I, I, you know, I talk about it all the time and I'm trying to convey that, but I just can't, I can't really express how, oh, wonderful that was and how grateful I am that I had Harvey. Okay. He was just uh, the best. So you're 19 years old. Who's, mm-hmm. Who says, Kathy, it's time for you to become a pro golfer? <laughs> well, that's an inter- inter- interesting question because uh, that was a big discussion with my mom and dad and and uh, and Hardy uh, Loudermilk, and um, uh, and of course the LPGA was only nine years old in 1959. They started in 1950, so it was. Um, uh, uh, it wasn't. It was doing okay, but you weren't going to make a lot of money. But you couldn't make a lot of money doing anything else, uh, basically. So, but it was something I really would love to do and wanted to do. And I'm, I'm quite. And really, I, I was too. I really wasn't good enough. Uh, I didn't know that at the time either. I, you got to think you're pretty good. Or you wouldn't do it. But and they must have felt like I was. But I couldn't play a lot of amateur golf because um, my family we just couldn't afford to go back east where most of the big amateur tournaments were and so what i played what i could get around locally was okay but it wasn't it wasn't tournament golf and so uh this way i could accept financial backing and i which is what i did i was lucky enough to have hardy and dad and and two other businessmen um form a little corporation and and uh i tell this story because um that allowed me to go out on the tour and not be a big, big financial burden to my dad and mom and and uh, to the family. But <laughs> they, this this contract they had, it was like, you know, anything I won, they'd get fifty percent of. Well, of course, I didn't win anything. You know, I thought, you know, fifty percent of, of nothing is nothing. <laughs> so, but anyway, they um, uh, it was just a gesture, basically, that they that this way they could sort of write it off, but. Unfortunately, it wasn't all that expensive uh, to play on the tour back in those early days. So, you know, we stayed in a lot of private housing and and drove. We never flew. Nobody flew back then. So it wasn't uh, terribly, terribly high dollar, but um, it still was. uh, Anyway, that was a great opportunity I was given. And as it turned out, I really learned how to play on the tour because uh, I really struggled there at the beginning because I just I didn't know. I, I had no idea. So I had to learn how to, you know, I just learned on the fly. And uh, and, uh, and, uh, and fortunately, it, there weren't that many players back then, like 30 or 35, so there was no cut. And um, uh, uh, and so you, and you might occasionally get paired with some of the better players so you could learn watching them play. And, and uh, you know, so it, it was it was just a great experience. I, uh, I, loved, I loved my career. I just... There were some down times, of course, but, um, uh, every, you know, everybody has to learn through their mistakes and, and uh, setbacks. But uh, uh, even those were, you know, worth every bit of it. I just, uh, I can't tell you how, how, how much fun that I had. And I just am so grateful that I had that opportunity. And then you won the Kelly Girls Open for your first tournament. I did. And really, I didn't really win that one. I, I uh, 
I teased and Sandra Haney, I, I, she three putted the last hole. I had I wasn't too far off the lead, I guess, but I I just remember playing really really well the last day and um, and sat in the clubhouse while the rest of the players finished and and they all started falling away and so uh, Haney Sandra three putted the last hole to let me win my first tournament and I told her I said and I thank you for it. <laughs> <laughs> but the second win was probably the most important uh that was later that year and i knew i was in contention with mickey and um uh was able to play under that sort of you know pressure of being um in the hunt so to speak and and was able to um execute the shots that i needed to 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 finish the round and and then but i uh, so that was a, a real confidence builder for me well, you won by four strokes, so it must have yeah, well, been a little more relaxing than the first one. Well, but yeah, but I, you know, in those days, either too, there was no leaderboard or scoreboard around the golf course. You just had to rely on uh, word of mouth and gallery or your caddy or you know somebody might tell you how you stood. And and as it turned out, I won by four, but I didn't know that at the time. I just knew that I had a chance to win, and I remember making a decision on the last hole. Because it was sort of a turning point for me, and and uh, uh, it wasn't a real long hole. It was a par four, but uh, hit a good drive and and had a, a seven iron left to the hole, and the pin was tucked behind a trap. And uh, I thought, well, you know, I, if I, you know, and I was playing good, so I, I remember making that decision of going uh, at the pin because I thought, well, you know, this is do or die, and. Uh, uh, so I, I hit a shot right up there and, and buried the hole. So that made me think that, you know, I could play knowing that I was I had a chance to win. When you won the Mickey Wright Invitational, did you beat her or she didn't play in her own tournament? Uh, no, I think Mickey played, but I don't remember uh, uh, who I was in contention with. Um, that's, that's, that's too far away. <laughs> I don't remember. I have to look it up. But uh, I, one of the things that uh, I found out, um, oh, it's been a couple of years ago now. Ron Sarek with uh, Golf World did a, a nice piece on me, um, celebrating my 50th year, um, ha- having been a professional. And uh, he went back for whatever reason, and I, I don't know exactly why, but he went back and um, uh, counted up how many times I finished second. And so when I was reading the article, I thought, uh, you know, that he was very nice. He'd sent me a copy. And and then I got to the where uh, he made that comment about that I'd finished second 95 times. And um, I thought, holy cow. Uh, you know, nobody count, uh, you know, nobody paid any attention to who finished second. It was better than third, but, you know, <laughs> it was, that was just, a, you know, nobody, it wasn't a big deal. And. And so that was really a, but in, in today's, when they talk about top 10 and top 5 and da 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 da. But what it, what it just uh, uh, confirmed to me was that I was in the hunt a lot of the time and certainly didn't win all the time, but, uh, I was, I was there, you know, trying and, uh, and that was the fun of it. That was the fun of, uh, uh, you know, hopefully you did win, but it wasn't, it was, but you were there. Um, in contention, and and that was uh, that was the enjoyment of, of playing competitive golf, and so, but you know, I don't remember uh, 
very few times who finished second, or when I won, who finished second. I mean, nobody paid any attention. <laughs> it wasn't a big deal. So how do you assess today's LPGA? Well, um, you know, I know they've had some uh, struggles, and uh, they uh, seem to be leveling out a little bit, I think. So, uh, you know, I'm not really privy to all I can just go by is what I see or what I read, and... and uh, 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 it seems like they're beginning to get a few more tournaments, and and hopefully they'll get a few more in the in the United States. What I don't get is these outfits they wear. It seems like it's a fashion show out there nowadays. <laughs> it used yeah. to be you dress conservative on the golf course. Now it kind of looks like a Playboy spread at times. I know, I know, and uh, uh, I'm not real. You know, I, I'm not real a fan of of uh, what they wear out there right now. I, uh, and I've, I hear a lot of people talk to me about that, and so, um, but they are the, the girls will not even consider having uh, some kind of dress code. It just will not. It, they just will not. They they, they won't do it. Uh, I even tried that when I was still out there. Uh, we were trying to, you know, get the girls. <laughs> you know, we didn't want them wearing blue jeans or anything like that. But uh, boy, I mean, it was just. Uh, uh, it was a, 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 a nightmare to try to get that done, and, and they just wouldn't care, if, wouldn't, wouldn't do it. So I don't know what they're going to do about it. I mean, fashions change, and, and uh, hopefully this trend will will go away. <laughs> but I but I get a lot of a lot of complaints from different people. So we're not going to see you wearing one of those outfits out there. Huh? We're not going to see you wearing one of those outfits. No, you're not. You're not. You're not. <laughs> I, well, we were just. Well, I'm sure we were. I'm sure they they look at at us like we were old fashioned. But um, you know, there really wasn't that much available either when we were start. You know, like the knits and and uh, it was all cotton and in um, uh, linen or you know, it just and the shorts we wore, of course, there were. Knee length, and um, but nobody thought about wearing them short shorts. I mean, that was just oof. Thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure talking to you. Well, thank you very much. It's always fun to reminisce. Alrighty, sounds okay. great. That okay, that was legendary golfer, Hall of Famer Kathy Whitworth. Stay tuned. When we come back, we'll have on another legendary player, Roy Sievers. <laughs> 